We're on Hollywood Boulevard. Hello. 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 Hi, guys. Apologies. Last week we had to take a break because life happened, but we are here now um, to talk about some, you know, current cultural happenings. Yeah, so where to begin? I mean, I guess we should maybe briefly talk about the Emmys, which I did not watch. Per usual. Yeah, we can we can definitely talk about the Emmys, which were a real snooze, but but we have there are some pearls that we can mention. Um uh you didn't watch, but you've probably seen red like who the winners were, right? Yeah, I looked at I just looked at the winners. Yeah, I looked at the winners. Yeah, I was so, um, I was kind of surprised by some of that. Well, I was not surprised by by just about any of the winners. They were pretty much everyone that I had predicted uh the good and the bad, but more importantly, it was like a yawn of a ceremony. Yeah, see, I I mean that I didn't watch cuz I mean that's why I don't watch these things. They're all yawns. Well, they are. They are, but the I mean, the Oscars are a different animal that are like really bad these days, but, uh, (laughs) but the Emmys are odd because now TV includes all of like all the streaming platforms and there's a thousand limited series and short seasons. And so there's like 700 things and you end up having like the same five things get nominated uh, and, and dominate the ceremony. So, you know, the white Lotus ends up getting 10 Emmy awards between the creative arts Emmys and last night's primetime telecast. You know, it wins supporting actor, supporting actress, writing, directing limited series. Like it's our new roots. Like it's our new lonesome dove. Mm-hmm. Like it's our new Thornbirds. And it was, it was fine, but this is something that aired 13 months ago. And it's, we're really holding to it that much because when there's, that much going on all season long everyone just votes for the same things which is why you had seven actors nominated for the white lotus which is why you had 14 acting nominations for succession that sort of thing Mm -hmm. but importantly succession did win best drama series and that was nice Right. Well, here was my question, right? I mean, in particular, looking at Best Supporting Actor and also Best Supporting Actress, where you had, you know, for Supporting Actor, you had Matthew McFadden and Kieran Culkin and Nicholas Braun on that list, right? And so at what point did they just end up canceling each other out? Because well, how do you pick, right? I mean, I go back and forth because theoretically they're all supposed to go by the episodes that are submitted. However, I don't think Matthew McFadden this season, and he had a great second season. This was the third. I don't think he submitted a particularly showy episode. So I don't really know where the sentiment came from. I love him. His win is actually one of my favorite ep- uh, wins of the evening. Right. Um, but this was a season and this was an episode that I think Kieran should have won for. Which Kieran Culkin. Did they submit? For Kieran? For for McFadden. It's the finale, which he doesn't have a lot to do during. They they submitted they submitted the finale for both of them? I think the... so. Wow. The one they should have submitted for Kieran Culkin is the one where he texts the dick pic accidentally to his dad. And yeah, I don't think hilarious. they did. Oh, I mean that reaction shot of Kieran Culkin is Emmy worthy alone. 
That's the highlight of the whole season, all of TV. Um, And Matthew McFadden had a great single episode when they're in Virginia and they're trying to curry favor. It was like episode five or six, um, you know, at a real Politico event. Again, I'm glad he won. I just, I just don't know. I don't know how they vote. Like Jean Smart won and it was great, but I'm not sure she had the best episode. I just think she's one of the great talents of all time. That sort of thing. Well, and then, um, and then also you have okay. I was I was kind of pissed about supporting actress. I think Jay Smith Cameron should have gotten it. Yeah, I mean, in this case, for someone who has who's like lower on the call sheet than Sarah Snook, I feel like the nomination was the win because it's that for me is graduation for her. I know, but, but I think that it. But I she's just, such a great actress, and she does so much actress. with that material. I agree. I will agree with yeah, you. Yeah, and she just like she deserves it. Like she, uh, Jay Smith Cameron's been kicking around for so long. Yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, and I just and I just think that she is so phenomenal in Succession. Like she is just so wonderful, and but I was I was really disappointed that she and like I was like Ozark. Really? Because well, honestly, I can't yeah. get through the first episode of Ozark. I just think it's that bad. <laughs> Ozark is not a great show. And I cannot believe, though it wasn't a surprise, I don't know what pixie dust Julia Garner has like flicked on everyone. I cannot believe that that is a three-time Emmy-winning performance. That is a she record for that category. She has times? three. She is so shrill and so unconvincing on that show. And as Alyssa always says, she is the least convincing swearer we have ever seen on TV. Three times? Yeah. There were so many better actresses in that category that Emmy could have gone to. Especially so many better first-time winners that could have been in that category. Particularly yeah. Sydney Sweeney in Euphoria, Jay Smith Cameron, and Christina Ricci. Um, the biggest disappointment for me is that neither she nor Melanie Linsky or the writers of Yellow Jackets got anything. Um, just because I think there was a real like organic reaction to that show, and I was hoping that could have extended all the way to awards. But no, Zendaya, Julia Garner, fine, whatever. Um, it was a boring, but it was a boring ceremony, and it was also they did that that setup again where they didn't just have it in an auditorium. They had table seating, but they also had this stage, not quite in the center, but they had tables behind the stage. So nominees were watching all the presenters and, and winners with their backs to them. But it also meant you were watching the whole cast of The White Lotus watching all of these people. So they looked bored the whole time on camera for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was a dumb it was a dumb setup uh, I'm trying to think if there were any other real takeaways not really I just don't think it fully captured what was ultimately a very crowded and rich 12 month long television season um, and I think that's just going to happen again but 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 I don't know my thing is all of so many of the things that we're watching on TV, and I know you just started watching one of the things that we've been watching, The Patient with Steve Carell and Donald Gleason. These shows are all like they're movies that are now sliced and diced to be either limited series or 
inaugural seasons of like short inaugural seasons of shows just to create tons of content. And they don't really have the stuff. They are, they're like, they're TV shows that are full of blubber. Like, you know, like they're not packed. They're not economically drawn. It's all just too much of too little. So I don't know. You've seen episode one of The Patient, maybe more? episode one. So what are your thoughts of it so far? Um... I want to keep going. Um, I'm it's because it's a bit of a head scratcher, and and they're um, short, right? The episodes yeah, are, are short. short. They really don't yeah. give you too much. No, they don't. And so you I, haven't and, seen and much Steve in twenty one minutes. Is, I, I don't think I've I've seen him. I don't know what I've seen him in, to be honest with you. But I, you know, I don't think I've seen him in anything serious. And um, it's just kind of he's actually quite good in this. I think. Um, and and I don't know. I didn't. I, it sounds like I might have liked it more than you liked it. I just think there's not enough there. There. I think this is the thing. I think there's a premise. I think there's a conceit. I don't think there's enough plot for to make this a TV series. I think this is a ninety minute movie that's being spread out into five hours. I can see that. Okay, I can see that because this kind of reminds me of like those like. You know, the 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 film you would see on IFC channel in 2001, yeah, yeah. right? Where it's like the two people in the room and sort of like very sim- simple camera pans or something like that. And it's it's very talky and but but you it, it gets like kind of like really like down and and it, it, like really into it with the characters. It's a very character driven movie. And I could see it working that way. Right. Um and so you're right. Does it work as a series? Uh, wouldn't it have been better served if it was this sort of 90 minute independent film? Um, you know, almost like I mean, I hate to say Neil Butte, but you know, you, you get that idea where sure, like not like much tape or something, yeah, yeah. You know, but but there's a lot going on with the characters. Yeah, I mean, I, that's how I feel, and and so. Um, well, I think you're going to keep watching it. It sounds like, right? I think so. I mean, so we'll revisit. Know. We'll talk about it probably as we're both further along. Yeah. Um, How many but, episodes but, are you on? Uh, three, I think. Okay. All right. I think it. I think it's going until the end of October. Well, see, and this is the thing where I'm kind of like wondering: Is it? Oh, they're dropping one at a time. I didn't even realize that. Like, like, but the, like, if this was a movie, I probably would have watched the whole thing. But right now, it's one of those things that I have to go back to, and I don't know mm-hmm. that I will. Right? Even yeah. though I don't yeah. necessarily dislike it, it's just one of those things where I don't know that I was engaged enough to go back. I think yeah, I think I think that's way. fair. I think. When there is a lot competing for your attention, not even like when you have a lot going on in your life, just the stuff that you can watch on your free time, um, not all of those things can rise. And um, yeah, we'll see. But I, I, I threw out the name of the show, but I didn't really summarize it. So quickly, for those of you who are like, what is the show? Um, Steve Carell is a, a recently widowed therapist and one of his patients, who admits to being a murderer, kidnaps him and locks him up in his basement to use him as his own 
therapist as he but but acknowledging that he knows he has a problem and does plan to kill again so it's what's going to happen from there um and it looks like and i'm not sure if this is going to feel rewarding or if it's or if it's like writer fiat but it looks like it's going to be very flashback heavy so we're going to find out more about Steve Carell's life prior to this kidnapping with his family. Uh, back when his wife was alive, he has two estranged children, that sort of thing. Um, I also want to revisit a topic that's like probably a tightrope to walk. It's not an issue for me, but I've seen it out there, the issue of Jewface, because Steve Carell, who is not Jewish, is playing... A Jewish character, and it looks like that may actually be relevant to the story as the episodes continue. So that's something I want to put on ice for later. Um, but but yeah, we also recently watched on Apple TV or whatever it's called, Blackbird with Taron Egerton, um, where where it, which is a true story set in the '90s uh, of of like a hotshot drug dealer who goes to jail and then is kind of recruited to narc on um, another murderer or another inmate to see if they can get more dirt on him. And it's a six episode story that really also could be a two hour movie. They don't really expand it enough to make it really worth the time. There's also a poorly uh, like added um, framing device uh, of like the, the bureaucracy involved of the cops, which one of which is Greg Kinnear, you know, like in out in the real world, trying to, to find out more about this murder that happened. And like, none of it really gels together. The Taron Egerton is very, very good. I mean, I think he's amazing in everything, um, but that should have been a movie. And then he could have no, been a movie okay. star with it. Uh, he was a presenter, though, last night, which was nice. Uh, he and uh, Paul Walter Hauser, who's on Cobra Kai, among other things, um, presented together. So it was nice to see them there. Um, but yeah, overall, I'm just... The glut of things that are on TV and are especially uh, dropped on the streaming platforms, I'm like, these are all movies. You know, the Queen's Gambit won Best Miniseries last year. And I'm like, this was a seven and a half hour miniseries that could have been a two hour and ten minute movie that made a lot more sense. Um, But also, did you hear about any of the properties that Disney announced at their big D23 meeting last week? No, I heard nothing about what they're doing. So now they're, they're like trying to expand all of their like properties. Uh, so they're greenlighting all of these things. Like one movie is called wish. And it's basically like based on their, when you wish upon a star song and it's like, what happens? The story of like someone who really did wish it's, I think they're saying how the iconic wish about Walt Disney came true. It doesn't, what? Like it doesn't sound like it's coming from a plot. It doesn't sound like it's coming from anything organic. It just sounds like, you well, know, there's like all of these you. jokes. Do you do you remember? I don't know if you ever saw the movie The Player. 
the Robert Altman yes. one, and like yes, the first yes, five yes, or yes, ten yes, minutes yes. is one big yes. montage of all these people pitching things, and it's you know like this is Die Hard meets Splash or whatever it is, you know like this is The Shining meets Terms of Endearment, and everything is like an amalgam, a lazy combination of two things that worked, and it's like Mad Libs. It's like nothing that makes sense. This is basically all of the things that Disney basically pitched um and nothing that's like a real story um and we just watched what you call it lightyear which was the the buzz lightyear movie okay and the idea of that is so in toy story buzz lightyear is a character that andy loves and that's why they buy the toy so it's this would have been the movie that the young kid in the 90s watched that he fell in love with. And it's bullshit because it's just like a dumb movie that has no actual forward motion. It's just like 100 and 105 minutes of filler and like a couple scenes of like characters getting together to get on a spaceship. Like it's a nothing movie. They're f- filling all of their content with nothing of depth, nothing that is rich, nothing that has actual story to tell. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that live action Pinocchio with Tom Hanks is um, like also really bad. And the reason they did this is just to keep the stranglehold on their IP. So Pinocchio remains a Disney product in their vault forever. Oh, the, the, oh, cause it's about to go. You know, it's a strategic domain. thing. Oh, I see now why they're doing it. Okay. All right. I get it. And I think that is what we're just going to keep seeing. These things are ridiculous. This stuff is laughable. That's really my point. That's really all I have to say. We have more content than ever, but none of it's real. Like, where's the fun stuff like The Goonies? You know, like, where all... I'm sure they're going to be remaking that soon. (sighs) They will. I'm sure. And it'll be, like, soulless and terrible. You know, like, everything... And someone, I think, tweeted or social media about this Friday when these titles were released. They're like, we're going to revisit the things you fell in love with and revive them so you can remember why you fell in love with them while watching something you don't fall in love with again, like something like that. Right. You know, they're, they're basically just like channeling the memory of these things, but not recapturing what was good about them. Well, yeah. I'm kind of wondering too, with the success of Maverick, right? W- w- um, the of Top, Top Gun. Gun. Yeah. yeah. The Top Gun, the, the Top Gun sequel. I, you know, I'm kind of wondering now everybody is, you know, going into their vaults, right? Like, like this is, um, this, this is kind of what they're doing. Although, interestingly, um, you know, and we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about that um, journalist that I've been reading his um, Substack about uh, how they're using all of these old, like how, how record labels are putting all of their muscle behind the back catalogs yeah. of these yep. old artists yep. and they are not investing in new artists they're not investing sort of like in r&d for the for the new acts right well this is all backfiring because apparently all of this um the money that flowed to these big catalogs for all these artists came from um investors like uh what is it black 
black uh black rock group and like those like oh oh the big yeah the big money the big money and that that's actually they were the ones that were sort of bankrolling all of this and i guess you know the labels were obviously along for the ride um but the bloom is apparently off the rose in this latest sub staff of his that i that i read and um yeah and they've they've basically realized that they've overpaid for these catalogs um, and, and they're out of, and they're basically, you know, and the money, yep. the, the money's tightening at this point. And, um, and hilariously, um, you know, Pink Floyd might be left out in the cold because at one point <laughs> they made some sort of boasted, boasting remarks saying that their catalog was worth $1 billion and they've apparently, um, and now they kind of like can't sell for less than that. And there's no money out there that's like even close to a billion dollars. But wow. yeah. anyway, that was like really funny. Um, but, but basically, you know, with the way the economy is going and the fact that these catalogs did not deliver the way that, um, that I think the, these private equity people sort of assumed was going to happen. But now it's sort of, you know, and, and this, this journalist pointed out like, and I can't think of his name right now and I wish I could to give him props that, that they're, um, what did he say? Now I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's late. I'm tired. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's nothing left for the new art. Like the, like the, like the record labels are kind of like left with like limp dicks in their hands, right? Like that, because <laughs> they they have no, because they have no money. They have no, they have no new artists because they haven't been investing in the new artists. They've got so they're 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 kind of like they've got nothing. They've got absolutely nothing. Um, and so it's. It's kind of a very interesting position because when you do think about it, like what new artists have broken that, that have broken out of record labels, not YouTube. Right. Right. right? Like, or TikTok not, even. Yeah. Or TikTok or, you know, that the labels have actually like gone to clubs and have actually seen live, you know, or have like looked yeah. There's no like said, grassroots good, discovery. Yeah, yeah, where's the good music scene happening in the country right now? We're gonna go there, you know, and see what's there. Um, you know that that kind of hasn't been happening. Yeah. Um, and when you think about like who's on tour and um and stuff like that, it's it's all it's it's all like the geriatrics. No offense, you know, but they're all like you know. Fleetwood Mac, The Rolling Stones. Wait, no offense to me? No, no offense to the geriatric. <laughs> to, to the, I hope they're listening. I hope Fleetwood Mac <laughs> is listening to us. <laughs> no offense For to them the to be offended, yeah. But, you know, I mean, so you're not getting, or you've got like J-Lo or, um, you, you know, like the bigger, Beyonce, yeah. Lady Gaga, right? Like right. the big names, like the, like the people that can fill arenas. Yeah, Taylor um, Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. Although, so, uh, to that point, do you know who can apparently fill arenas for days? Who? Harry Styles, who's at oh, MSG yeah. for like days and days and days all month. We were uh, out to dinner uh, not far from the Garden this weekend. And like everyone in the world that we've ever heard of was apparently at that show. And he has like 15 more going on all at once. Yeah, he And he's apparently packing them in. Deal. Yeah, yeah, he has a very big deal, like a very big deal. And, you know, I've heard some of his stuff. He's not bad. You know, it's just like kind of not my not my jam. But some of his I mean, his good. stuff is and I don't mean this to sound shady. I'm just take it for what it is. His, his stuff is like exactly what like music sounds like these days. Yes. 
Yes, no, it, you're absolutely like, right. Like, music it has is. changed. What music currently is, he is, like, a really good representative of, like, yeah. it's overproduced. what it is and who can sell it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's overproduced. It's, like, yeah, like, you can't, like, I don't know. How does he sound live? I can kind of, kind of, ma- can't imagine very good. Yeah, probably not overpowering, no. I mean, I mean, hopefully he has really good sound team to fix that. But probably. one of the things that I've noticed um, it, when, you know, I, there was some when I was listening to Sirius XM a few years ago, um, before I forgot my login and all that information, um, oh, <laughs> just, no. listening to streaming all the time, um, we were, uh, there were, they were doing some sort of like, I don't know, it was like live from Lollapalooza or something like that. And this was the time where 21 pilots was really big and a few, like, like a few uh-huh. years ago. Right. And all of the musicians that came on live that sounded so good on their albums sounded like shit. <laughs> and I was like, either they have really bad sound people or these artists are just terrible and they're just fixing everything in in the studio. They're just fixing it. Yeah, I and think so that's like, where the magic happens. It's like we're all being Milli Vanillied. Yeah, and but like willingly, you know, like yeah, our eyes yeah. are open and we're saying this, it's okay, this is what I want. Yeah, and like you think you about, have like, packaged million- it so shinily that I just want it anyway. <laughs> I know, right? Vanilli got like killed for that, and this is exactly what the music industry is trying to do. I know, I know, it's true. But anyway, but I digress. So, I mean, that is my that is just my way of saying, you guys, look up a band called Concrete Animals. They're young; they are the real deal. I have no idea if they're on a label, but they did. Um, they were on part of the the uh, the Black Keys let a tour. They're on a leg of the Black Keys tour, and and they're wonderful. And um. And I ha- and so if you uh, you know if you want to try new music like I really think these guys are fantastic. Yeah, look them up. Look them up. Look them up. Uh, it's funny then that we've sort of segued into music because I also wanted to talk about uh, another movie that I watched in the last week or so, uh, the big Elvis biopic. I have not seen that yet, and I've heard. Have I heard it's good? I've heard it's good. Is it good? I mean, I think it's a big failure, but you do you. Oh, no. Oh, no. Here's why it it doesn't work for me. So it's um, directed and conceived by Baz Luhrmann. So nothing subtle about it. If you've ever seen Moulin Rouge or Australia or the Great Gatsby uh, adaptation such that he did. but it, it's like, and I know that this has the full buy-in of like Priscilla and, and the, the family, they're behind it, but, but it's like this comes at such a late stage in our awareness of biopics and what the formula is and what Elvis's life has been that they almost just want to gloss over it and try and do something kind of experimental with it so it has this weak structure in in which it is narrated at the beginning through the uh eyes of colonel tom parker elvis's like cantankerous manager played by tom hanks what this movie should have been was the colonel tom parker story it should have been his biopic oh. And Elvis could have played a part, a big part, but we would have 
gotten more information about Tom Parker and showbiz and music and that like period of time. And for a little bit, it looks like that's kind of what this movie is going to be. Also, Tom Parker was Dutch. So Tom Hanks is doing this weird, like pigeon English accent to represent (laughs) Tom. It's such a disaster. It's so offensive. It's so bad. But then we also kind of just lose the framing device of everything going on in Tom Parker's life and and him reflecting on his past. And then it's just sort of the Elvis story, but a lot of cliff notes of the Elvis story. Because by the time we meet Elvis, it's when Colonel Tom Parker finds out who Elvis is. So Elvis is kind of already formed as a performer and a musician he's just not world famous like he's already been influenced by black music he's already kind of naughty with the dancing he's already found his voice he kind of knows who he is it's just a matter of the world discovering who he is which the world does in quick succession in the movie and then it just leapfrogs over major events like when elvis has to go into the army that's dealt with very quickly when elvis meets priscilla presley that's dealt with very quickly um We then spend more time when Elvis kind of becomes more political towards the late 60s and there's some friction with him and Tom Parker. But but we really hopscotch over a lot. We don't even dwell on a lot of his hit songs. They just kind of keep playing him singing Hound Dog. Really? Yeah. And then sometimes they have other modern singers doing some of his other songs. Like I think Casey Musgraves does... Is it Can't Help Falling in Love? And I think someone else modern does Are You Lonesome Tonight? Like their value in the context of their time is is kind of skipped over. And then they also, the movie does not dwell on his downfall. They acknowledge that maybe there is some drug use, but they don't really get into how prevalent it is. They don't overdo it to show Elvis when he got really heavy towards the end they don't show him die they just they just do like a postscript card about and then elvis died um and then they do the thing that i really hate which is then they show real footage of the real elvis singing at the end of the show at the end of the film and it's like no use your actor till the very end because right now it looks like you're really pandering and you're showing, hey, we've had Elvis look pretty healthy the whole movie and now we're going to show fat Elvis and this is why he died, wink, wink. Um, So I think the movie kind of sucks. I don't think it's very good at all, but the actor who plays him, Austin Butler, I think does a very good job. I just think he's limited in what they actually let him play because He's not allowed to show a lot of the highs and lows, the histrionics of what Elvis's life is kind of known to be, which is too bad. He's good, but if they'd allow him to do more, he could have been great. So uh, it's too bad. I think so. I think it's what happens when it's too close to the people who own the estate authorizing the picture. Uh... I think they, you know, it's like we. We don't want it to be warts and all. We don't want it to be totally clean. We don't want to sanctify him. But we're really going to leave out a lot of the dark stuff. And it's like the dark stuff is where your movie lives. Right. That's the thing. Because you can't. I mean, otherwise, it's just kind of 
it, it just kind of sounds like I don't know a, an anemic retrospective. Yeah, him yeah, and it's songs, long at that. Know? It's like two hours and twenty minutes, and you know it's flashy. You know when Elvis is doing his Vegas residency and he's living in the the big suite at the top of the hotel. Boz Lerman keeps doing these huge shots, pulling back and zooming in. He's basically trying to recreate Moulin Rouge in Vegas with what he's doing. And, you know, the art direction and the sound and the cinematography create almost like a whirling dervish effect at times. He's just recreating what he has been known to do in the past. But this is not Moulin Rouge. This is a very different movie, and it's a new movie. It should feel like a different film. I'm glad I didn't see it in the theater. We would have hated it if we had paid to see it. But to watch it home, and it's available now on HBO and HBO Max, fine. It is what it is. Right. right. Um, so that was Elvis. I guess, aside from Lightyear, that was the other big movie. I like. I just want there to be more good entertainment. Because um, well, we're seeing I, a lot. I can recommend something to you, though. Oh, oh, thank goodness. So, um... Okay, so watched this the other day and like literally binged it, could not stop. It oh, is on good. Apple TV. It is Slow Horses. Oh, I've heard Gary of this. Oldman. Have you seen this yet? No, you have not. I have it. No, but a really good friend of mine has and, and spoke really highly of it. It is wonderful. It is based on a book series that um is about, you know, British spies, the MI6. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a particular unit that are they are sort of like the black sheep, like they are the losers. They've fucked up one too many missions, and they are sent to like oh. this this. They're called slow horses. That's the name of their cell or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. And um and Gary Oldman is the the leader, and so basically they're tucked into this like old ass little house office. Um, it's somewhere in London where basically MI6 is just hoping they don't come out and, and, and muck things up. And, um, and of course they do. Um, but, but, in a, but they save the day, right? Like spoiler alert, but just getting from point A to point B through the series is just absolutely phenomenal. It's fun. It's funny. It's witty. Gary Oldman is perfect for this role as this like disheveled sort of like cantankerous head of these misfits. Um, and Jack, Jack Loudon is the um, sort of, I don't know. He's kind of the, 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 he, he's that sort of like wonder kid spy that, um, that actually ended up doing, you know, pissing off the boss. And that's why he got sent to, um, to this unit but so he's trying to sort of redeem himself so he can get back into like the main office and um and you know we'll see how that goes but everybody in the in his unit in this unit are just so endearing it's like why would you even want to go back um but it's it was just um so much fun to to watch this and and just really really smartly um just really smartly done i thought yeah, I, I've heard other good things about it, so that uh, it doesn't surprise me. And um, yeah. Kristen Scott Thomas, is she yes. also on it? Yep, she's in it too. Kristen Scott Thomas is in it. So, like, move this up your list because it's like, it's very British. Okay. It's very, very British. It's one season? One season. Is there going to be more? They, I hope so. Okay. I mean, and, they, um, they what's her name? It on a on a there will be more moment. Okay. So, hopefully, there will be. 
And Olivia Cook, who's going to be in House of the Dragon, is also on this? Um, who is Olivia Cook? Olivia Cook. I don't see her name on IMDb. I could be wrong. I thought she was also in it, but... but Sophie, um, uh, Sophie Okanito is in it? Oh, wow. Um, These are solid uh, actors. Yeah, very solid, very solid uh, uh, crew of actors. Super solid. Like they're, you know, it's it's a bunch of really great British actors who you're like, yeah. I don't know, As I don't you're really want know who to you find, are, yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, but but you're awesome. So yeah, I I think it was very well done, and like so well done, like I'm like, oh, I need to go read the book now, and I hope I won't be disappointed. Well, I hope not. Yeah. Cool. I uh, will make a point of moving that up in my list. So thanks. Uh, you had much better recommendations than I did. I'm not not recommending Blackbird or The Patient. I'm just saying they are symptoms of like a larger problem I find with with streaming. But I'm going to keep watching The Patient. Yeah, I gotta, I'll I'll keep going with that. But um, maybe. I mean, again, like I said, it's sort of you know, it's one of those things where I'm like, oh, I could watch that, or I could go do this other thing. Yeah. And I probably will end up doing the other thing, right? Like, that's... Totes fair. Yeah. All right. I should go to bed. Yep. It was a pleasure chatting. As always. Yes. Guys, sorry if uh, my voice sounds a little weak. I'm still... I'm nursing a cold. If I sounded snuffy or... (laughs) Snuffy. 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 Or or such. uh, Getting through a cold. Uh... But in the meantime, uh, if you want me to feel better, you can send us a five-star review on iTunes. Um, And if there's anything you think we should be watching or talking about, let us know on uh, Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. Um, Till then, I think we will see you next week on the Boulevard. Bye. Bye.